2: Hello everybody, I'm Jim Shannon And I'm Mike Hyatt This is the Bourbon Road And today Mike, we've got uh, some great guests in the house Coming in from out west From Colorado, from Denver, Colorado
1: Who do we have with us? Well, we got Law's Whiskey House. We got James and Sam. I'm kind of a little jealous of them, Jim. They both are rocking these gigantic mustaches, <laughs> almost like they just ro- rode out of the mountains trapping some beavers or something. Um, <laughs> I am just loving it. I mean, and I'm sure we're going to love their whiskey. Uh, we've definitely had their whiskey before, uh, but they sent us some pretty. Just badass bottles, a eight-year-old bourbon and a seven-year-old rye that we're going to get to drink. I'm, a, I'm excited. Anything that says so bottled and bond, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. First, we'll welcome you guys to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, man. thanks, sir. Thanks for the compliments. And, uh, and we would
1: like to get straight to that whiskey. What do you say, Mike? Let's do we it. Tell the- us all about this uh, four grain, if you would.
0: Sure. So the four-grain four whiskey, um, the expression that we have here today is our newest release. It's an eight-year bottled and bond four-grain. Um, this is our flagship whiskey here. And one of the goals that Al Laws, our founder, always had was to make a really high-quality bourbon whiskey using all four of the American mother grains. So those grains being corn, wheat, rye, and barley. All those ingredients coming from right here in colorado grown in really unique climates so
2: well i I tell you what the nose is is it's kind of complex there's a lot going on there mike it's rich and and i want to talk about the color too kind of a deep red amber kind of a reddish hue to it you don't always get that
0: yeah i think you know one of the unique things about being located here in denver Uh, is the unique climate that we're making whiskey, but also aging the whiskey in. And um, James, our barrel manager, can definitely speak to that. But we pick up a lot of color
3: for sure. Yeah, we're located at a mile high above sea level here. Um, It's a fairly dry climate. Um, We get a lot of temperature swings. We get barometric pressure swings on a daily basis sometimes. (laughs) Um, So that works works the whiskey in and out of the wood as it's aging. Um, especially with the, the temperature and pressure changes.
2: Now, humidity or lack of humidity plays a big part, I would imagine.
3: Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, out here in the West, um, it's not uncommon to get down into the teens or even single digits for humidity during the wintertime. It gets pretty dry. Um, in the rack house here, I haven't checked today. We're probably around 30% right now. Um, in the in the summer, middle of summer, it'll probably get up into the 40s. Um, percentage of humidity. And then in the winter down into low teens. So, um, you know, with that low humidity, we get um, a lot of evaporation of water, um, as opposed to like, if you're in a really humid climate, like in Scotland. So evaporation of water equals proofing up in the barrel. So uh, most of our whiskey enters the barrel 110, 115 kind of depends on the product. Um, And it'll pick up, you know, five to 10 proof points in its lifetime as it, wow. as it ages.
1: Just a super beautiful whiskey already. Um, you know, you guys put on the label black tea, honey, orange peel, baked plums, Jim, stewed plums, plums. stewed yeah. plums, stone yeah. fruit, and coffee cake. I can't say that that's more spot on. Um, there is a little bit of drying there, um, like a red wine dry. Um, but I like that with this whiskey, uh, especially for a four grain. A lot of companies out there ain't doing four grains. Um, but, uh, you know, I got to say hats off to you guys for doing it. Uh, going your own way out there in the mountains. Um, you know, what, are you, what about you, Jim?
2: Yeah. So I'm still on the nose. You've already tasted it, but. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm getting, I'm getting kind of like an herbal tea, a little bit of a, a fruit. Um, it's stone fruit. is definitely, it's kind of a lighter fruit, but I love what the Oak's doing. And there's a little bit of earthiness there, but it's, it's very light. And I don't think it's at a heavy earthiness, but I like it.
0: Yeah. It's something we focus on here is being grain forward because we're using heirloom varietals of grain from small family farms here that are grown for big flavor and not for big yield. Um, so we're definitely grain forward. And we always wanted to develop a mash bill that would allow for each grain to impart some flavors throughout the process. And I think you can pick up on some of those subtle notes from each of the four grains that we're using.
1: You know, in the wintertime, I like to drink this spiced orange tea with honey in it. Maybe a splash of bourbon every once in a while. Um, yeah. But. That is in this bottle right here, uh no doubt. um I'm telling you, I love it. eight years ha- was it tough to wait that eight years?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. um you know, every time we select barrels for our batches, you know, we might have say, a hundred barrels to pick from, narrow it down to sixty, seventy barrels, um mm-hmm. then we know that we we're holding stuff back for further aging. Um, to go into future batches of bottled and bond bourbon or, or rye or whatever it is. This particular batch, um, I believe, are you tasting the 6S? Is that what's on the label there?
1: Yeah. 6S. So
3: 6S, um, that's a batch size of 18 barrels. Total maturation time is 8 years and 9 months. So a little bit closer to 9 years, actually. Um, we had to split all of our our um eight year bourbon into two batches because they came from two distilling seasons of that year so we have a spring and a fall so you're tasting spring
1: so that's what the the s is for the spring then
0: yep yeah and it's got a little bit more age on it one extra summer of course as opposed to the fall release one extra summer i think
2: it's fair to say when your whiskey reaches eight years old you're all grown up you're no longer a young distillery you're uh you're a well-aged distiller you've got a little bit of gray hair now your your whiskeys are extra aged
3: yeah we're really having a lot we're we're having fun tasting through our older stuff i mean we love our the three and four year stuff that goes into our batch products but you know eight plus years up to ten now we're over ten years old as a company it's really fun seeing the direction that our older stuff is going um so it's been really cool
1: let's let's talk about laws uh whiskey house and how it all got started
0: yeah so um, laws whiskey house was founded in 2011 by al and marianne laws Um, of course starting a whiskey distillery takes a huge investment time money and labor Um, al and marianne didn't want to just launch into this huge project without a real solid understanding of what they were doing so Al um, hired on who he considers his mentor, um, retired master distiller, Bill Friel, uh, formerly of Barton's Distillery. Uh, Bill probably has 40 something years of distilling experience. Um, and he, he hit it off with Bill and convinced him to come out to Colorado and help him design the plant and set up the original, um, all the equipment and the mash bills. Um, so. We kind of all jokingly refer to Bill as our Yoda around here. Uh, He would never answer any of Al's questions without another question, you know, (laughs) how do you think it's going to turn out? Um, But Al and Marianne always wanted to create a great American whiskey distillery, uh, and add to the kind of rich fabric of American whiskey. So um, we use all traditional methods. We didn't sell anything for three years. We just laid down products. Um, of course, in the beginning, it was just Al and Marianne in here making whiskey. The uh, Al still had his day job um, until he, you know, maybe a year in and 100 barrels or so laid down that he started to bring on some staff, really ramp up. Um, but everything we do um, is based on the no shortcuts philosophy. So we're using traditional methods all the way through the processing. So for us, um, that starts with the grain that we buy, and we're buying from small family farms that grow grain here in Colorado in some really unique conditions, environment, uh, and that produces a really grain-forward flavor.
1: That's kind of that that high desert out there, right? Is that Denver's considered high desert, so you could have those heats um, around 90 degrees even in the summer winter time. And then, you know, at nighttime it gets snow and by noontime, the snow has gone.
0: Yeah. And James can tell you a little bit about Alamosa where our rye, wheat and barley uh, is coming from.
3: Yeah. So we work closely with uh, Colorado Malting Company, which is owned by the Cody family down in Alamosa, Colorado. So Southwest part of the state, not too far from New Mexico. Um, Like you're saying, it's a high desert. Um, it sits in a big valley that's actually an uh, ancient prehistoric lake bed. Um, really unique climate. Um, they get big temperature swings throughout the growing season, hot days and cool nights. It's actually really favorable to growing these particular grains, um, similar to growing, you know, coastal uh, wine grapes, things like that. The hot days and cool nights really favor um, growing, um, particularly the rye, which we'll taste in a little bit here. Um, but yeah, that really intense sunlight, um, uh, the soil is actually would be considered probably poor quality for a lot of other crops, but it works really well for these grains. Um, it's, um, maybe not the highest yield, but really high in flavor. Um, some of the, some of the products that they make, um, the wheat and the rye in particular are pretty high protein, but that translates to a lot of flavor for us. Um, and so, and also we work with, uh, the Whiskey Sisters Supply out in Eastern Colorado. That's close to the Kansas border. That climate is a little more suited to growing corn. So they supply all of our corn.
0: And that, that family farm, uh, run by the two sisters, Felicia and Stephanie has been in the family for over a hundred years.
3: Wow.
2: That's a lot of time working a farm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just, uh, I, I just think it's so neat. Um, whenever you talk about, and we've talked about this several times, the different climates that whiskey can be made in um, where you guys are like high desert and then you have uh, Texas, this kind of plateau desert out there. Most places where the whiskey's being made and then you come here to Kentucky and just everything's super green and limestone waters and stuff is is uh, running everywhere. Um, but it's it's so dynamic in American whiskey compared to Scotland, where almost all the Scottish whiskeys are almost the same, you know. Um, or Irish whiskeys is Irish whiskey. Well, in America we got Colorado whiskey, we got Texas whiskey, we got T- Kentucky whiskey, we got Tennessee whiskey. Um, it's just neat to see those dynamics because America's so big, you know?
0: Yeah, and we we've always focused on that terroir. It's something that's getting talked a lot more about in the whiskey making world. Um, And it's a huge contributor to what we do here.
3: Yeah, for us, it's more than just a marketing term. I mean, uh, from day one, we've always had a dedication to the farmers who grow our grain, the people who make the whiskey, the people who buy our whiskey. Um, It's really being tied to a sense of place that's super important for us and and our product. And we really believe that our... You can taste it in our product. Like you're saying, it's a regional style of whiskey. And maybe we're still trying to figure out what that is for Colorado whiskey, but I think we're on the right path.
2: Now, I would say that uh, a good number of our listeners probably understand the term terroir, but maybe not all of them. So why don't we just take a minute and talk about what, what does terroir mean and how it applies to whiskey?
0: Yeah. So for us, that's of course, is going to start with the grain. So just like James just talked about, it's those heirloom varietals that only grow in these certain regions, and of course, the environmental impact of the grain in those regions. Um, So environment, varietal of grain, and then in our environment, we use traditional open air fermentation vessels. So it's open to the environment, little ecosystem that we have in the distillery, wild yeast and bacteria. Um, those things are going to go into the ferments and create nuanced flavors that you couldn't replicate if you made it anywhere else. Um, and then, of course, the barrel aging conditions that we also briefly touched on. Um, so, all of those factors are, are part of what we call the terroir of our whiskey.
2: Now, uh, earlier when you were talking about grains, you said these species. So, are you using sp- specific species of, of all your grains?
3: Yeah, we use. Um So uh, Cody, Cody Family Farms, they grow uh, the wheat, rye and barley that we use. Um, The barley is an heirloom variety derived um, originally from Europe. It's a two row, um, high in flavor, Um, great for making whiskey, great for making beer. Um, They can malt it any which way you want. We just get it um, just as a pale malt. A lot of flavor though. Um, For the rye, it's a variety called San Luis Valley rye. The actual grain is called San Luis Valley rye. Um, And that's what's on our bottle as well um, because we really pay homage to the grain itself with all our whiskeys, but especially with that. Um, It's nobody really knows where it came from. It's an heirloom variety as well. Um, It's likely crossbred from multiple European strains over the centuries as settlers came from Europe and settled in the San Luis Valley. Um, Really high in flavor, high in protein, um, very well suited for making whiskey. Um, we don't really know of anyone else growing that grain and they're certainly the only suppliers of that grain. And we're the sole buyers of that. Grain. We're buying it all, everything they grow, we're taking it. So if anybody out there is making whiskey or beer and wants rye, San Luis Valley rye, you can't get it. Find it somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's truly a really, um, Flavorful grain is integral into our flavor of our whiskey. Um, The third of those grains is uh, centennial white wheat that they grow. It's a a spring wheat. It's a soft spring wheat. So they don't plant it in the fall, just like uh, like you would with a rye. Um, It's not a hard winter wheat like you would grow for baking bread. Um, Again, this is really suited to... Uh, making whiskey and beer as well.
0: But some of these varietals, um, specifically the barley, the family saved from extinction because people weren't growing this because it doesn't yield as much as some of these commodity grains being grown now for mass production. Uh, But it produces this really rich flavor um, and they just couldn't let it go.
1: Now, our listeners might check out your website and some of those uh, grains you're talking about, like your Centennial Straight. Um, wheat, that would be something they could pick up in a limited release, right?
0: Yeah, we actually just released our bonded five-year centennial wheat whiskey. Uh, that's something we make just once a year uh, in smaller numbers than our bourbon and rye, but it's pretty readily available for for a season or so. Um, but it's it's really unique because most people aren't too familiar with a hundred percent wheat whiskey. There's not a lot on the market. And um, it really just showcases the grain as is.
1: And you also got a, uh, I noticed a straight malt whiskey.
0: Yeah. So we do that with all of the four grains in the four grain bourbon. Uh, We wanted to release them in their pure form. um, 100% malt, 100% wheat, 100% rye. Uh, We do have a corn whiskey too. um, So that everyone can taste what the grains taste like, and try to go back to the bourbon and pick out some of these flavors that we're talking about.
1: The uh, the third one I would mention that I'm kind of kicking myself I didn't ask for some of this, uh, and I know Jim loves these too. You guys have a straight bourbon whiskey finished in a honey cast that's a hundred proof. Wow!
3: Oh yeah, yep. That became a really popular release for us. Uh, we work with an apiary up in northern Colorado in uh, Longmont. Um, it's called B Squared is the is the company. Um, so what they do is they age whiskey or sorry, they age honey in our barrels, um, bottle up the honey, we sell some of that in our tasting room, but then we get the barrels back from them. So we just trade them and unfortunately they can only they only have space for a couple of barrels at a time. Otherwise, I would take as many as I can get. Um, it's a really popular product. So I'll send them a couple of bourbon barrels, take back a couple of bourbon barrels that are lined with honey. Um, and so then I'll take a two and a half to maybe three or four year old whiskey, put it in those barrels for an additional six to 12 months and it picks up that honey flavor. So no, you know, no artificial flavoring, no propylene glycol, none of that stuff. It's just, just the residual honey out of the barrel and lost bourbon.
1: Wow. It's just that natural buzzing goodness, right? (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah yeah it, it is very natural. There are bits of honeycomb in there. there are bits of <laughs> insect there you can get some uh, all kinds of stuff in there, you know,
0: not uh, in the bottle, not in the bottle, bottle <laughs> no in the
3: barrel. That's all filtered <laughs> out, but um, it it is delicious and it sells really fast, but it's nice because it's a pretty limited release and it gets people to come down to the tasting room.
1: God, dang, how how do we not get about all that, Jim?
2: Uh, I don't know, Mike.
1: You're the I one know, to I, talk to
2: them. What'd you do? <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> I, I I really don't like when a a distillery takes their honey whiskey uh, and proofs it down so low. You know, it's forty or fifty proof, and they're like, "What? What is this? Yeah, uh, why can't they make it a hundred or more? Even cast drink? <laughs> um, I'm glad to see that you guys keep it keep it a hundred proof.
0: Well, our target audience are whiskey geeks and people who love whiskey. So um, we can't send you a bottle because we don't have any. And I don't think anyone here is willing to give it up out of their personal stash. <laughs> maybe
1: next time around. Yeah. <laughs> well, heck maybe we'll just take a trip out there and we can, we can get some in. Anytime. Um, yeah. Some great whiskey. I can't wait to try this ride. I know Jim is just, I'm surprised he already doesn't have his glass filled. He's sipping on it and stuff well I tell you what I really enjoyed that bourbon though there's uh,
2: there's no looking back I'm going to pour me another one after the show's over I know we got to move on to the rye here in just a bit but I'll be drinking a little bit more of that bourbon after the show's over
1: that's really good stuff well listeners stay with us for the second half I know these two guys with the big old mustaches they got a special giveaway that you're not going to want to miss um, so stay with us you know what i've really been enjoying lately oh you're gonna tell me some of that seldom seen farms maple syrup that's been aged in bourbon barrels it is absolutely delicious not only in a cocktail but you can cook with it right you can
2: you absolutely can now mike kevin just sent me a new shipment so i got a little bit more and i've been making some beef jerky lately Really? Yeah. Now I know you're the meat master. <laughs> but, but I I tried my hand at it. I said, you know, I want to make some beef jerky. And I've got a pretty decent beef jerky recipe. And it's got a little bit of soy sauce, a little bit of Worcestershire, a little bit of, you know, onion powder, garlic powder, those kind of things. But I always put brown sugar in it. Well, this time Kevin sent me a bottle of his granulated maple sugar. Wow. And I decided that I was going to substitute the maple sugar for the brown sugar. Oh, game changer. Let me tell you. Total game changer. Total game changer. Some of the best beef jerky you've ever had. So I'm going to make another batch here in in about a week,
1: and I'll be sure to get you some. Man, that that sounds delicious. Vivian took, and we just got an air fryer like most people got these days, right? And uh, she took and soaked fresh pineapple in that maple syrup and then put it in the air fryer and it kind of crisped up a little bit. Oh, sounds Uh, good. It was just magically delicious. Um, And people probably wonder why we love it so much. Kevin competed in the Maple Festival uh, last year, 2021, and he was named Grand Champion. Uh, That's saying something.
2: So, Seldom Seam Farms, Grand Champion, Of the 2021 Maple Syrup Festival.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's saying something. Yeah. You're going up against some heavy hitters in maple syrup. And I know we're we're talking about just the syrup, but, um, you know, that's something to be proud of. Uh, Hats off to you, Kevin, for winning that. Kevin's also uh, competing in a couple other competitions. Make sure you check out his website. Check out his social media on Instagram and Facebook. You won't be uh, disappointed. If you want to buy something, from him where can they go jim you You can go to
2: seldom maple.com and kevin and his crew they've got a great website very easy to navigate they got all their products on there you can buy their maple syrup by the bottle you can buy by the case uh you can buy that sugar oh my goodness mike that stuff is so good uh, and they've got some other gift sets there, too. So,
1: you definitely want to check it out. Well, he, he's also going to be in some distilleries pretty shortly here. Um, some distilleries from that I love and I know you love. He's going to be down Leaper's Fork. Um, you can find his syrup down there, aged in their barrels. Treaty Oak down in Dripping Springs, Texas. Um, I was just out there. His syrup's going to be there. Awesome. Um, and in Garrison Brothers in Texas. If you think that. Uh, you love some maple syrup. Make sure you go into Garrison Brothers and pick up a bottle from them. Also, uh, Kevin appreciated. Uh, I know he he loves people. You're supporting a local farmer, a local product, a small family. This is no factory place that's putting out maple syrup, right, Jim? This is a good man doing good work. Yeah, gotta love it. Well, make sure you check out his site, like Jim said. Seldomseenmaple.com. Pick up a bottle today.
2: All right, listeners. So we are back. We've got uh, Sam and James in from uh, Law's Whiskey House. In the first half, we had their amazing eight-year bonded four-grain bourbon whiskey. I have to say, guys, well done. That's an amazing sipping whiskey, and it and it's just the right age. I think. Uh, I think it's 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 reached that point where, Mike, don't they say eight to twelve years is is the heart of, uh, of bourbon aging.
1: That's what Jimmy Russell says, and if he's I don't think the man's lying. he knows a few things about bourbon, I think,
0: yeah, I'll take his word for it, yeah, <laughs> but we are in Colorado, so um we're still trying to find that sweet spot,
2: yeah, so do you feel like your your whiskeys in Colorado age faster or slower than Kentucky?
3: Um, I don't know, that's a good question I um I kind of try and stay away from age. And stick more to maturation. You know, sure. um, the distinction being that you can have some young whiskeys that are really stellar and some old whiskeys that aren't that just taste like almost like new make. You know what I mean? Um, it's a good question, because I don't really know that much about Kentucky whiskey, to be honest with you. But I think for us, um, we see a really nice curve when it goes between maybe three four years on the young end. Um, and then up to eight, 10 years, we get that really nice balance where it uh, the grain balances out with the barrel flavor. Um, and it it just works so nicely, you know. We don't really know what it's gonna taste like at 10, 12 years or plus, but um, it works really well for us, you know, seven, eight, nine,
0: ten years. I would say we we pick up a lot of color early on. Now that's doesn't mean maturation, um, sure. but we do age in um, full-size barrels. We've never aged in anything smaller than that. Um, But like James said, we've been around just about 11 years now, and we're still pleasantly surprised as we're tasting this stuff as it gets older. Um, And we originally released a 4-year bonded that we moved to 6 years, and now this is the newest release at 8 years. And uh, we have a, a chunk of this warehouse that James and I are sitting in now that is held back for older products so
1: well. Heck, let's get straight into this uh rye whiskey that you guys sent <clears throat> now you said this is a sam luis valley straight rye whiskey uh which is a you can you're the guys are the only ones with it right that's right
0: um and we are making rye whiskey now with hundred percent rye uh which poses a lot of challenges this Bottle that you have here. Um, back then we were using 5% malted barley. Um, that 95.5 recipe, not to be confused with some of the more common 95.5 recipes of rye out there. Uh, we, of course, have never sourced anything. Every drop we've ever put out was made right here in Denver um, at our distillery. So um, but that being said, it's the unique San Luis Valley rye grown in those unique conditions. And making rye with such a high percentage of rye in the mash bill is kind of a pain in the ass. You know, it's labor love here. A little sticky, right? Oh, it's very sticky. Um, (laughs) and you pump it over to the fermentation tanks. It traps all that CO2 in there and just carries all the mash up and out of the fermenter with it. Um, you come in in the morning shift 6 AM and you just kind of hear plop, 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 (laughs) and you know, it's going to be a tough morning. Oh is that goodness.
1: where you want to get back in your car? Just drive the other way.
0: Yeah. But instead you get the pressure washer out and you start cleaning the sides of the fermenter and all the floors.
1: Well, the nose on this is definitely that 95.5. Like you said, there's no doubt on there. Mm, that sweetness that you oh, know, I'm not a big Rye guy like Jim, but I've come to just uh, hold these close to my heart, especially really good ones. It's seven years old. I mean, that's a little bit older of a rye.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good age on a rye. And and honestly, the mic, the nose on this is, is tremendous. It's a 95, five. It's got a, it's got a candy sweetness to it.
0: Yeah. I think one of the unique um, characters of this heirloom rye is that it's not just that big spice that you expect with rye. I mean, it has the spice, but there's a lot of balance here through the palate it's got enough body and sweetness to round it out. Um it has some of those same orange notes, black currant, um some fruit notes on the front end that really round out the whole body of the the whiskey. I
2: wish it, I knew what black currant smelled like because it sounds like <laughs> such a great tasting note. Uh, I think raisins. these
1: uh raisins, yeah. Yeah, okay. I I think this has that like fruitcake that that Christmas fruitcake. Um nose to it. Um maybe in like a German uh I don't remember what that German cake is with the raisins and stuff and you only get it one type type stroller, Right. Yeah. Stolen. Yeah. Uh that's what I'm getting on this. Man. Super beautiful. Uh oily too. I don't you know it's hard to tell that in nose. Um but I'm getting that. Well heck, cheers guys. Thanks. Cheers.
0: cheers.
3: Yeah that oiliness really carries through in uh, a lot of our products the rye definitely brings that um, as Sam was talking about it's a little bit more difficult to process in the distillery but it means that it holds up really well in the barrel for us as it matures and kind of surprisingly or at least to to us um, there's a really wide range of age that the rye tastes good I mean it you can drink it as young as two years and as old as 10 years we got some of our older stuff at 10 years now our youngest rye product is, um, it's actually an on premise uh, release only. We call it original rye. Uh, it comes in a liter bottle. It's at 90 proof. Uh, it's designed to be a well rye. And that's two years old uh, and it tastes excellent. You know, it is kind of surprising like two years. Wow, this tastes great. It's got body, it's got flavor, aroma. It's really well rounded out. Um, but then all the way up to seven years, it's just that on steroids.
1: I used to drink, I know you guys drank this before, a uh, little bit of Jaeger Monster with a little bit of Red Bull called a Jaeger bomb.
0: Never um, heard of it. <laughs> yeah, whatever.
1: <laughs> I get the Jaeger bomb in this right here. Uh, yeah, mixture. I mean, a lot of botanicals. Yeah, mm-hmm. super rich and stuff. Uh, that mixture, not so much as the black licorice or the Red Bull, but that mixture together. Um it's very beautiful, oily, like you said. Sweetness. It, it is. It, this thing is powerful too. I think it drinks a little bit over that hundred proof. What do you think, Jim?
2: Yeah, I think it does too. I, I think you nailed it when you were talking about that German spice cake, that 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 Christmas cake. Um, I I'm getting the black currant now that you mentioned it. It's a little like a raisin, so I'm kind of getting that.
0: That's kind of like you know some people will call um, it squab. You know, it's pigeon, right? So yeah. black currant, raisin.
1: Sounds wow. a little bit better. Okay. Sounds cool.
2: fancy. <laughs> Mike, I'm fancy. getting a
1: little bit of a uh, little bit of root beer in there too, like uh sassafras. Yeah, that's what I was saying about that licorice, that sassafras tea, that you know, that just that rich candy. Heck, maybe even a little bit of whorehound, Jim. Yeah. Love them whorehounds. <laughs> both of them look like what the heck are these two jokers talking about
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's a great rye guys that's a really really good rye so um it is definitely different than anything i've had before it's got its own profile that's uh unique and i'm 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 gonna go with you and say it's that it's that rye variety that you use uh it's probably a lot of uh, the careful handling that you employ in preparation
0: but yeah. uh it's, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's a favorite amongst the village here at Law's Whiskey because it's the most unique thing we make, um, but it's a big flavorful whiskey and um, you, you re- it really grows on you.
2: Yeah, I think this is one of those whiskeys uh, that you could just sit with for a while and you would contend- continue to peel back the onion. You know, you still, you find more flavors, more notes in it over time and, and it, it's nice. Does it differ a lot from your 100% now?
3: I'd say a little bit. I mean, you get a little more nuttiness on the, with the 5% malted barley. That's probably the main difference. We don't have anything at seven years. That's the 100%
0: rye mash bill, but sure. we're getting there. And the rye is made up of 50% raw and 50% malted. Okay. And those two different preparations of the grain provide different flavors. Um, the, uh, the, in this one, there's malted rye? Yep. So the rye component, which is 95%, is made up 50-50. Okay. Uh, malted to raw. Uh, the malted rye gives much more of a biscuit note. Um, mm-hmm. It's sweet. It's It's got a toasted rye note to it, like a, a buttered piece of toasted rye bread.
1: That's that German stolen I think I'm getting in there. There you, you go. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> that, and that raw grain, and of that. course, provides a little bit more of a grassy and doughy note to whiskey mm-hmm. in general. Sure.
1: Well, you guys so, are spot on, and I'm sure you got some other uh, expressions up your sleeve that you that you're dying to release. Could you tell us anything that, that might be coming out to the public?
3: Um, just of the rye, or anything in general? Or just anything, anything. Um, we've always got a few uh, what we call the experiential series. Um, we just laid down two barrels today of um, Curacao barrel finished. Wheat whiskey. Um, That's been a, we've released that twice before in the past. That's a ton of fun. Uh, The wheat whiskey is already pretty orangey, but the curacao barrel brings a lot of that. I mean, obviously big orange sweetness. Um, We actually made the curacao in house here. Sam made that, um, which I'm sure he could tell you all about that process. Um, But funny how the curacao barrels are a little harder to procure on the barrel market. So we just decided to start making our own. And in the process, we get our own curacao barrels out of that. Um,
0: yeah, I would just say that um, we're always trying to learn something and get better. So the team of the whole production team, um, you know, everyone here, we call the village. If anyone wants to learn something or gain some experience doing something a little bit differently, we bring it in and we we try it out. We talk about it we test it and then we wait a long time and eventually we taste it. But we have a lot of stuff from yeast experiments to barrel experiments to different, um, parts in the processing process that we do. Um, so we're always experimenting and, you know, we like to think that we're making our best whiskey today and tomorrow we're going to make some better whiskey. So,
2: sure sure i would imagine that curacao is one of those barrel finishes you have to be a bit careful with because it could be overpowering if you're not careful huh
3: yeah you could it definitely could be that um we can always sort of blend it out with some neutral non curacao barrel stuff but uh, yeah it can be it can be pretty strong um we got a handful of wine barrel finishes for both uh bourbon and rye um one of our big releases is the uh, cognac finished bourbon, and um, that has become a, a full process for us now in the last maybe three years or so. So we take uh, two to three year old four grain bourbon, we put it in um, we put it in the barrels for a year,
0: and those those barrels being the first
3: use cognac cast from France. That's right, yeah. And okay. So we'll we'll let it sit there for a year or so. We'll harvest those. Uh, into a fooder and then let it sit for another uh, about another year so overall you know has about four to five years of age on it
0: and for those who don't know a fooder being a giant oak vessel used for aging uh, in the cognac process part of that blending solera process that they do there
2: oh okay so this would be something much larger than 53 gallon
0: Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. This
3: is a 60-hectoliter vessel, so it's about wow. 1,600 gallons. Uh, and this particular vessel was in service for over 50 years in France. Um, it came to us in really great condition, um, and it's just been a process of maintenance and keeping it full ever since then. So it's been a lot of fun.
2: So as long as you keep the whiskey and oak, you're still aging.
3: Yeah, that's right.
2: So just it's just one heck of a
0: big barrel. And you guys can imagine the smell of that shipping container when we open that up being shipped from France with this giant cognac footer and many cognac barrels, Armagnac barrels, Curacao barrels being shipped to us. It's uh, It's amazing.
1: I bet it was a beautiful aroma. You know, I'm glad you guys are experimenting like that. You know, uh, we were talking to Chris Morris last week and he was giving a compliment to craft distilleries and how much innovation is coming out of craft. So much so that it's hard for them to keep up. Um, Talking about brown forming a a giant in the business. Uh, The other thing I'd like to point out to our listeners. That if you think that craft distilleries whiskey is still too young, uh, you know, proof and point is these two whiskeys we got in front of us, the seven-year-old rye and an eight-year-old bourbon coming out of Law's Whiskey House. You need to get your hands on some right now, I'm telling you. You're missing out if you're not.
2: So for our listeners who may not be familiar with your brand, after listening to this show, they're going to they're gonna know a little bit more. But where can they find your whiskeys? What states are you guys in?
3: So we're all over Colorado, of course. Um, We're also in California, Illinois, Texas, Maryland, Washington, D.C., New York, New
0: Jersey, Georgia, Florida. Uh, And then, um, you know, we are in select states. We have a partner uh, who ships whiskey to your door in um, states that have laws that allow it of course some states don't allow that um but you can find those states additional states on our website at laws okay
2: good so and and you're always expanding into more i I would assume your production grows with every year
0: yeah the last couple years we have gone through some pretty huge expansion projects um essentially gutting the buildings updating all the infrastructure so power electric heating and cooling. Um, And we shut down for five months the first time, and then two months, a year later, and we have been able to triple the output of our distillery. Um, So we've added a new 2000 gallon Vendome pot still for stripping, new cooker, new fermentation tanks, new blending tanks, you know, all the equipment that keeps everything running. It's been just a huge undertaking, undertaking the last couple of years. Yeah, it's been a really fun process to watch
3: that happen. I mean, Sam and I started here a while ago, and uh, we were putting out probably 80 barrels a month on the high end, and now what's our most recent production?
0: Yeah, we're we're making 160 barrels a month, but we have the capacity uh, to make about 300 barrels a month now.
3: Oh, good.
2: Good for you guys. That's great. That's That's really awesome. That allows you to build up those inventories, so years down the road, you've got that you've got that extra aged whiskey, so you yeah. can still meet current market demand and you can put a little back for, uh, for the more discerning folks. Right
0: now, of course, every distillery knows that space gets a little tight. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Sure. sure it does. <laughs> so your, 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 your distilleries right downtown Denver, or pretty close to downtown.
3: Yeah, we're pretty close to downtown. We're uh, right off South Broadway, uh, maybe about a couple miles out of, out of downtown.
1: So somebody could get an Uber if they're visiting Denver, come to your distillery and you guys are open from Wednesday to Sunday.
3: Yeah. And we do tours. Um, I think you can book online. Um, at least that was the protocol during COVID. I don't know if that still is the case. Yeah. Um, yep. Great tour. It's very educational, uh, really heavy on kind of the whole process of making whiskey. And of course there's a tasting
0: at the end. So.
1: And what's your last tour of the day?
0: So our last tour is going to be at six o'clock, and we close at seven o'clock. Don't forget. So you can sit water. there. You can
2: sit there and drink whiskey for an hour after after that tour, right?
0: You can, and you know we have a pretty small tasting room in our distillery um, because our focus has always been the production of spirits. But um, we have some exciting news that we are going to be building a two story tasting room visitor center with a rooftop deck. Um, hopefully, breaking ground pretty soon here.
2: And and this is all pretty important because I mean whiskey is happening in Colorado. I mean it's really happening in Colorado. Uh, it's one of the states that's a, a standout in the whiskey world in general. Uh, do you guys know how many distilleries are in Colorado now?
0: There's there's over ten in Denver now. Um, yeah. So I would assume there's probably over sixty distillers in Colorado. But you know we're very fond of some of our peers, and we're very proud of the Colorado whiskey that's coming out, and we're just happy to be a part of that and represent colorado uh, in
3: the whiskey industry yeah we're always happy to see people doing well in the industry especially from colorado
2: well so if you're a whiskey nerd and, and you've been wanting to get to colorado there's plenty of places to visit oh yeah After, go to laws first and then from there branch out
0: absolutely yeah in denver alone you could you could spend a day that's great
1: now for whiskey houses out there whiskey group or uh just a just the individual and they want to buy a barrel of laws whiskey. Do you guys have a single barrel program?
3: Yes, we do. Anybody who wants to come down, uh, you can email info at laws dot com. We'll put you in touch with the right people and you'll be eventually talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, we have groups of people, most often it's groups, you know, uh, companies that want to come buy barrels so they can give it out to their clients, things like that. Or you know, individual buyers as well, or a group of friends will go in on a barrel together. Um, if you select a barrel, you get to put it up in our ricks. We have a, our own you know, special little wooden rick section that's just for those uh, privately owned barrels. You can age it as long as you want. Um, so it's a lot of fun. It's a really special thing.
2: So how does the distribution of single barrels work to the end consumer in Colorado? Is that something that goes through your uh, gift shop? Is that something that goes through a local retailer? How does that work in Colorado?
3: So for someone who like a private barrel owner, is that what you're asking? Yes. Um, Yeah. You, if you're local, you could just come pick it up. We would package it and you could come pick it up and just pay through, pay through our uh, tasting room. Um, but if it's out of state, you might be going through a liquor store or a distributor.
2: right. Got it. Okay. yeah, we just reached that point in Kentucky ourselves, where individuals or organizations could buy barrels direct from the distillery. And our distillers are quite happy about that. So uh, you guys have been able to do that for a while now. that's 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 pretty awesome.
3: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We have, we have a lot of fun doing barrel tastings
1: and bringing groups down to do that. So listeners, listen up real close. Uh, Sam and James were great enough to give us two bottles of whiskey to do giveaway this week with a little bit of swag. They gave us a bottle of this eight-year-old bourbon and a bottle of this seven-year-old rye, plus that swag. Now we want you to help Laws out for the entire day on Instagram. With this release, we want you to put hashtag Law's Whiskey House. That'll get you to enter from the time we put the post up until 10 o'clock at night. 10 o'clock at night, we'll decide who's going to win that by a randomizer. We'll put that up. But if you really want some good whiskey uh, for listening to this podcast, for loving Law's Whiskey House, um, play along with us and we'll see if we can get you some bottles. What do you say, guys?
0: Good luck, everybody. Thanks for listening. Yeah, you won't be disappointed. Now, Mike,
2: are they hashtagging in our post or just anywhere?
1: On our post in the comments, um, below the post, obviously. Um, put hashtag lost whiskey house. That'll get you in. i will get you playing. Obviously, you have to be 21 years of age and you have to reside in the United States of America. Uh, and we'll get this whiskey in your hands. Um you gotta play to win this whiskey though you can't get the giveaway if you don't play if you just look at the post and put a smiley face if you don't hashtag Lost whiskey house hey tough luck we appreciate the smiley face though (laughs) yes we do all right starsky and hutch oh i mean sam and james uh we appreciate you two uh coming on the show um you messed me up with those mustaches. I just keep thinking back to Star Hitsky and Hutch, um, telling my age a little bit there. But we can't thank you two enough uh, for coming on and spending the evening with uh, Jim and I. Um, sharing your whiskey with us, you know, us whiskey nerds, we'd love uh, when somebody will send us some whiskey to share. Um, we, we really do appreciate you. Right, Jim?
2: That's absolutely true. And uh, we would like to give you just a moment here to let everybody know where they can find you guys on the internet, your website, uh, your handles on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is.
0: Yeah, you can find us uh, at lawswhiskeyhouse.com and at whiskey on Instagram.
2: Awesome. Well, we'll be looking for you there. And we certainly appreciate you being on the show. And, Mike, where can people find us on the
1: internet? Well, you know, you can find us on Twitter, you can find us on YouTube, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, too. You might see some videos of the Big Bad Booty Daddy of bourbon drinking some whiskey straight from a barrel on there. Uh, Check all those places out. But one of the main places you can find us is on our private Facebook group, the Bourbon Roadies to get in there, you gotta be 21. You gotta like bourbon. Hell who don't like bourbon. Right. Um, and you gotta agree to play nice. Cause we don't tolerate any rudeness. We just want everybody to play nice in there. Whether you drink from the very bottom of the shelf, like 10 high, like I started out with, or that Pappy that dr- Jim likes to drink and high from me. Um, we want you to just play along. So come in our group, hang out with us, share your whiskey, no selling the whiskey in there though. So don't be doing that. Cause we'll cut you off the knees real quick. Well,
2: we do uh, two shows every week. Every Monday, we do a craft distillery episode where we highlight uh, a craft distillery doing good work. We'll have one of their expressions on. We'll shine the light on them a little bit, let you know whether or not you ought to add their whiskey to your bar. But every Wednesday, we do a long version, a one-hour broadcast, 30 minutes each half. Uh, You know, we kind of get you to work and get you home. Like today with Law's Whiskey House, we'd love to have you listen to both of those shows every week. And, Mike, how can they be sure not to miss a single one?
1: You know what I'm going to say. You need to scroll on up. Hit that check sign, that plus sign, that subscribe sign. That'll let you know, hey, these two jokers just had a show release. Then we want you to scroll on down on that app. Hit that five-star review. Leave us some comments because you know what's going to happen if you don't. Come on now. You know what I'm about to say. The big bad booty daddy of bourbon will come rolling over to your house with some bottles of this Laws whiskey in his hand. You guys will drink all night long. By the end of the night, you're going to leave us that five-star review. Leave us some comments. I guarantee. But seriously, if you leave us that five-star review, you'll leave us those comments. Um, Distillery see that. They open their doors to us. They send us this great whiskey like this Laws uh, four-grain bourbon. This laws rye, um, both bottled and bond. Um, we really appreciate it.
2: We'd love to hear from you. If you've got a distillery in your hometown that's doing good work and you'd like to shine a little light on, let us know about it. If you've got a guest who you think would be just right for the show, let us know. You can go on our website. We've got a contact us page. You can always send us an email. I'm Jim at the bourbon He's Mike at the bourbon road.com. But like we always say, probably the best way is to hit up our DMs on Instagram. I'm Jay Shannon, 63. I'm Big Bourbon Chief. And we'll see you down the bourbon road.